let's begin. Ready? Recite your baseline. Okay, that was First Light by Dark Matter, Clear Pattern. And I'm joined tonight with my old friend again, Barry Stewart, who has very kindly agreed to come back on for more torture. Hi, Barry. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. So last week we talked a little bit about our joint venture back in the 90s, the old Decon 90 days. Yeah. But uh, then you um, decided to leave the homeland and move to London which I know you always wanted to do. You always talked about that to me in Manchester, and that's where you wanted to go, so... Yeah, yeah. It was obviously going to be your next move, and so you went down there, and um, what happened next? Well, you know, like, I had a job in Glasgow, and they offered me an opportunity to move to London in the, the same company. And I had a couple of friends in art school who were moving down to London at the same time, and I just thought, this is a great, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. You know, like, most of the bands um, that I liked didn't come to Glasgow and London was a place where you could go and see them so I just thought well this is the opportunity and you know I should do it I know um, so, so yeah so I moved down to London and um, I worked very hard and got on at the job I was doing but after a while I started to kind of miss that creative element that uh, that we had yeah 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 and you know I, I don't regret kind of like working hard and doing well at my job and you know, it was it was an interesting experiment. Uh, working, <laughs> it was an interesting experiment. Well, it was something a bit novel for you, as I recall. You were, well, absolutely. You were a bit work shy <laughs> as a young man. Yeah, I mean, I guess work shy is one way of putting it. Um, you know, so I wanted to get back into doing some kind of uh, music or some kind of creative element, and not really knowing how to do that. Uh, fortunately, I met what was to become my girlfriend, uh, Kirsty. And she knew some DJs in London, uh, but I didn't realise the DJs that she actually knew were were pretty well known, and they pretty much started a, a particular genre of techno, acid techno. So um, with introductions and uh, I bought some decks, I decided to start DJing. Just out of interest, what were your first decks? So this is quite a contentious issue, but everybody said 
get technics, 12 tens. Everybody said get technics. That's the go-to, isn't it? It is the go-to, but I thought, well, I'm not that guy that just kind of like goes for the, you know, the standard. So um, I, I had a look at these uh, decks that were coming out at the time called Vestax PDX 2000s. And they were kind of um, scratch DJ decks, very powerful torque. So, you know, very good for scratching, basically. Yeah. And I just saw them and I thought, well, they had an extra couple of features. So they had a plus and minus 50 pitch on them, whereas the Technics, I think uh, the original Technics were uh, plus minus eight and the later ones were, I think, 12, 12. plus minus yeah. 12. Yeah. So I just thought with the plus minus 50, I can actually change, change the sound mm -hmm. so dramatically. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't need to be about uh, techno mixing as well. This could enter into an element of being very creative. So I decided on the PDX 2000s. Nice choice. Yeah, I was very pleased with them. And they absolutely delivered as well. Incredibly well-made uh, turntables. And through my friendships with uh, Kirsty and uh, a lady called Sandy, uh, they got me a, a first DJ gig at uh, Brixton. Uh, the Club 414, which is iconic club for acid techno music. That must have been really exciting, was it? Oh, I was absolutely terrified the first time. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, performing live anywhere is terrifying, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's something about doing music which I've always wanted to, to be a live thing. I think doing it live is, is quite important as well. Yeah. So, you know, after having a, a couple of uh, double gin and tonics at the local bar, I went along and did my first set. And that was supporting uh, Chris Liberator, who's like, you know, one of the most famous acid techno DJs. I was quite nervous supporting him and, you know, it all went fine. And I was really enjoying the, the kind of acid techno scenes, squat parties in London and kind of having quite a hedonistic good time. And then at some point it wasn't quite enough just to be DJing. It wasn't quite enough to have that hedonistic lifestyle. I kind of missed the more creative process of uh, doing, making doing music. Yeah, making yeah, music. Yeah. Um, although, the, you know, the DJing, it was a, a very kind of making music take on DJing. It wasn't just playing records, it's, you know, creating a kind of, uh, you know, a dynamic soundtrack uh -huh. where, the, where the records are more like tools yeah. rather than actually playing a hit or playing something that's recognisable. It's more like a tool. Yeah, yeah. So I met this uh, other DJ called um, Mr. Reed, uh, Guy Reed, and a bit similar to the discussion that we had last week on the Deacon 90 podcast, uh, my friendship with him, we started to talk about ideas like you and me talked about ideas for a band. What could a band be? What would we want to do without having any kind of um, uh, abilities <laughs> you know, for making music? You'll have learned a little bit from your Deacon days. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what we talked about. So look, well, we love music. We've listened to music all our life. We've done some music. We know what music is about. You know, we know the structures. We're not classically trained or we're not musicians, but we know how to put a tune together, especially with DJing. You know, you're counting beats. So if you're, you're beat mixing as a DJ, you're counting beats. Mm -hmm. You know, the breaks come in, you know, you know the right thing, yeah. the right time to bring in another track. So we thought, well, that would be enough to get us going. Yeah. Um, I was also into filmmaking at the time and um, the reason that we started was really to make soundtracks for the films. That's that's kind of how we started. I remember seeing the film, I can't remember what you, what you called it, but the one where you're up at Mugduck Country Park in Mogai. Yeah. And you floated a little bit of paper down a river. 
that was so clever. It was just such an original idea and fascinating to watch. Mm. I know it sounds daft, but watching a little bit of paper floating down a little stream in a country park uh, and you following it with the camera was uh, a stroke of genius. It was great. Yeah, I mean, it comes from uh, spending a lot of time up in the, the moors, walking around and just being very contemplative and thinking about simple things. And also having the, the technology of a phone right there. You can do like a, a pretty high quality video. Yeah, I know, it's amazing, isn't it? So this is a track from the new album, I Know, which uh, the video for this is the one that I shot up at Drumclog Moors in Mogai. Here we go, this is the Dark Matter Clear Pattern, I Know. <laughs> I'm 
Yeah, so, you know, when me and Guy got together, we were trying to decide on how we were going to construct music. Um, and it was going to be improvised. Yeah. Partly because neither of us knew how to sequence on the software we're using, which was uh, Propelhead's Reason. So I think that our lack of uh, ability for... Um, I'd say it's lack of ability, but it's also a, a lack of desire to learn about sequencing. Uh, with my, my previous band, Decoy 90, I, I had my studio technician. My good self. <laughs> Your good self, who would uh, accommodate any request, basically. He would figure it out. So when it came to doing something with myself and with Guy, we just thought actually improvisation is probably more achievable, but also quite interesting way to do it. Considering that we both come from a DJ background, and with the idea would be to like you know on the fly mix sounds together yeah. and use our ear just to create stuff. So we came up with kind of like rules of improvisation to to do that. How did you manage to work that when you were both having a jam? Yeah. How did you decide who would take the reins, as it were? for a little while and then pass it on to the next person was there was it eye contact or was it a, or was it a natural feeling of alright I'm just going to come in here or were you kind of was it a more structured process yeah I mean there was some structure behind it you know we had certain rules so be, when we used to do uh, kind of um, recording sessions we would uh, maybe two weeks three weeks in advance we would give, give ourselves a theme for the, the jam 
which would be like uh, if aliens came down to Earth. Which they have done, by the way, already. But anyway, <laughs> Of course. If aliens came down to Earth and heard hip-hop and then went back to their planet and tried to recreate hip-hop, what would that sound like? <laughs> cool. And then we would take two or three weeks individually to come up with uh, ideas on that theme, musical ideas on that theme. And with Reason software, the way you construct it is by you know layering different kind of instruments and layering different sound effects into a, a virtual rack of instruments. So what we do is create like these loads and loads of these kind of racks of instruments with really interesting sounds that we created individually. And then we would come together and um, jam those together, basically. So I always thought of it as a, you know, it's like a, a kind of conversation with music. That, that was what we were kind of doing, you know? That's a good way of putting it. I mean, yeah. I suppose that's what Reason is really great for, isn't it? Being able to get a combination of different instruments and patch them all together. I mean, I've never used Reason, but it looks very intuitive and very natural and a very easy way to make combinations of sounds that, you know, otherwise you might not have come across. Yeah, and, and also you can combine different racks. So, you know, if you've got, if you've got one rack that's running at, a, you know, a certain BPM, uh, you can have another rack that's running at a completely different BPM and creating a totally different sound. So you get these kind of like, um, you know, cross rhythms, which uh, creates a very kind of interesting uh, pattern and unexpected, which is part of what you want from uh, improvisation. Yeah. You don't want something that's expected. You want something that's uh, part of you, but also something that you don't understand quite how it ended up that way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I get you. So there was a there was a joy in that idea, you know, in the kind of polyrhythmic uh, sequences. Yeah, yeah. And being DJs as well, we we could quite easily use our ear to bring the BPM up on one rack to match, you know, the BPM of another rack. You know, it was something that we could do quite easily. We could separate the sound. You know, because it's a it's a software based system, we're using it on a laptop. It also allowed us to like bring in other improvisational influences. So sometimes I would bring up a YouTube video, and just play a YouTube video of a, of a really cool sample or something or a really cool speech, and just kind of drop that in. Just incorporate that into the track. Yeah, just on the fly, yeah, just clever. Do that. We also use like different software on the computer, like a Slicer, which is a, a really interesting piece of software. So. You, put a WAV file into Slicer. I've never heard of Slicer. What's that all about? It's, it's a really interesting piece of software. So you can create, um, so you put your WAV file in and then it does like a, it just loops. But then you can create eight channels which you can uh, set the loop point differently on the eight channels. So you can have the same loop playing but playing all at different kind of pitches, all at different times. And uh, again, it's a very improvisational tool. That sounds like a recipe for a lot of noise <laughs> potentially with the algorithm with it obviously it does kind of do quite well and it, it does seem to integrate but there's also the element of improvisation where you're kind of listening to what's going on and you know you're selecting what sounds good and what doesn't sound good and it, you know it's just an extra kind of layer that you're adding on to what you're adding with reason what you're adding on with uh, your youtube samples or, or any other samples that you might have like on audacity or you know so you, <laughs> when we're jamming you basically there's a million windows open and uh one of the rules was that uh if you heard something going for more than about three minutes it was too long. get it out <laughs> exit <laughs> yeah. stage left yeah yeah 
<laughs> yeah, so because you know, like it was quite easy just to leave something playing. Yeah. Um, so we're very conscious of having these rules uh, being important for it to be listenable. Uh, the end product. So have you and Guy done quite a lot of music together? Is, is he your main counterpart or are there other people involved yeah. or is it mainly Guy? So when uh, me and Guy got together, we decided to, to, to do Dark Matter, Cleopatra. Uh, we were hanging out at uh, my friend Justin Stevens and he had a flat then in South London, which we could basically play very loud music for three-day three weekends. Yes, ideal. Uh, <laughs> ideal situation. Uh, he also had the uh, 808 drum machine and uh, various, he had decks, sound effects, uh, we had sam- some basic samplers. Lots of toys to play with. Lots of toys to play with. And the 808 was very influential in our early sound. Yeah, of course, still is. So we started DJing uh, and then introducing the 808 to DJing. Yeah. And then we got rid of the DJing and just kept the 808 and started putting in samples and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, like, uh, I like the idea of Dark Matter, but also it sounded a little bit pretentious in the same way that Decon or Deconstruction sounded a little bit pretentious. So uh, we added in a clear pattern, which was uh, a button on the Roland 808 drum machine. It, it just kind of sort of gelled. Justin came up with the idea of putting a clear pattern on the end. That's genius. And I thought, yes, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. So when we came up with uh, the idea of Dark Matter Clear Pattern, the first thing we wanted to do was soundtrack some of the movies that I was making at that time. So we decided to um, do a soundtrack for my first movie, which turned out really well. And then later on, we did uh, a soundtrack tune to a movie I shot about the G20 protests in London. There's a little bit of a story behind it because I wanted to use an Aphex Twin track uh, for the video, but when I posted it up on YouTube, it got taken down for copyright. So I decided just to uh, do an Aphex Twin type tune. So this tune is uh, Bishop's Gate, and this is about the G20 protests in London.
So that was a track called Bishop's Gate by Dark Matter Clear Pattern. Yeah, very chilled, Baz. I'm liking that relaxed vibe. <laughs> well, I wanted to do something very uh, soundtracky, and um, if you watch the film that I made, Bishop's Gate, it's uh, you know it's quite a poignant moment at the end. Was that the one that was in the London Underground? That was the first one that me and Guy did. So we, you know, we were doing kind of art actions and videoing them as well. So that was uh, the end zone. Um, the end zone was for an exhibition at uh, the Mary Ward House. Uh, it was a friend of mine, Sergio, that got us involved in it. So I did like a, a photo exhibition called The Stopped Clock, and I decided to do uh, a film as well called uh, End Zone. And the idea of that was to post, um, so I uh, printed out excerpts from a poem of uh, Sergio's ex-girlfriend who was dying of cancer. She wrote him lots of letters and uh, we decided to do an exhibition about that to raise money for a cancer charity. So I printed out elements of the, the poem that she'd written to Sergio and then we posted them on uh, a tube train on the way up to North London. So in each carriage we got on and off and we post up one element of the poem. And we made it look like one of those signs on the tube that says exit or, you know. It was very authentic looking. I actually thought at first it was part of the uh, normal signage. It, was, it looked great. It was a really involved project that just, it snowballed, you know. It just started out, okay, just do some photos. And then all of a sudden, I like, I'm, um, you know, graffitiing a train, essentially, you know, and videoing it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get any hassle from the train guards or was that all? Yeah, we, we got caught uh, the first time we tried and uh, we, we managed to run away quite quickly and went for some breakfast somewhere and then came back and had another go. So they weren't up for letting you just do it? And... Well, we didn't ask permission, you know, it's like it's like, it's like with sampling or, you know, there's no point in asking for permission. It's not as if we're making money. Outlaw filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was part of it, you know, because it's a guerrilla art. Cool. We decided to do the soundtrack for that and then we also had an exhibition of the film and the images at a place called The Foundry in Old Street, which was a beautiful arts community uh, run by this guy called uh, Jonathan and somebody called Tracy Moberly, also in conjunction with a radio station Resonance FM in London. And uh, we did some soundtracking for the films and we got invited to do a couple of radio shows there. And Jonathan also invited us to host a music night a couple of nights at the Foundry. Well, I remember watching the video that you posted up about that. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, we documented it as well, obviously. And it was so nice. It was such a DIY aesthetic in the Foundry. And it's gone now because of, you know, the commercialisation of the Old Street area. Yeah. Uh, the Foundry is now like a, a posh hotel, yeah. which is a real shame. It is a shame. So anyway, we, we, we continued to do soundtracks and uh, the G20 protests, the, where Bishop's Gates comes from, the foundry was kind of uh, the hub for the resistance and the protest. So we're mixing with the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which are kind of famously one of the big kind of protest movements in London. And I was editing the video on the fly uh, going to the foundry during the day during the protest to do little edits so I could complete the film by the evening. Cool. Yeah, but we did lots of kind of happenings at the foundry and that kind of gave us a lot of confidence in our sound and we started to develop a kind of performance which uh, involved projections, things like that. So a song I'd like to play you is called The First Summer Salt 
And this is a recording from one of the sessions that we had at the Foundry.
That was the first somersault by Dark Matter Clear Pattern. It was a lovely track, Baz. Was, uh, thanks so thank much you, for, thank you. for allowing us to listen to its full 10-minute glory. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the tracks um, we kind of edited down, but we're kind of a long-form uh, musical entity. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a trip we want to take our listeners on, so... You know, a lot of the tracks are about 10, 12 minutes long. They're quite hypnotic. You know, I find myself when I listen to your stuff, I, I, I kind of go into a trance. It's almost like uh, it would be great music to meditate to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, there's a lot of hard kind of sounds in there, but they're all kind of taken down a notch, taken down a level where the the kind of industrial side of it isn't intrusive. It says more the background. So you're kind of reversing what would normally be up front and what would normally be down in the back. And it creates a kind of a more of a meditative experience, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good, good observation, yeah. It's an interesting approach to go. So I think, you know, after the foundry kind of fell apart uh, when it closed down, uh, we, we kind of struggled to find our identity uh, because at that point we were, we were a performance group, really and performing to uh, soundtracks for films that we're showing or, ju or just hosting a, a performance musical night at the Foundry. Um, so it took us a while to kind of get back into it. And when we did get back into it, we thought it'd be quite nice to have a voice in our track. So we recruited one of my friends, Tracy uh, Reed Smith, who's uh, you know an old friend. And Tracy has got a lovely way with um, a stream of consciousness. Her voice and her ideas are just so beautiful. She just says what's in her head. But also we found when we were rehearsing with her that she was also be picking up on what we were doing musically. So a very, a true improviser. That's a rare find to find someone that can tune into what you're doing. So you were very lucky with that. Incredible, incredible. I, you know, I could draw parallels with uh, Genesis P. Orridge and Throbbing Gristle. I think Tracy definitely has that within her. And also from a, a woman's perspective as well, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, so off the new album, In The Way, there's a, a short track, introduction track, which has Tracy on vocals. Okay. And uh, it's me and Guy doing the music. And we kind of we were looking for a new direction at this point. We wanted to do something that was a bit more beat driven. Previously, we'd avoided beats because we had so many beats when we were DJing. We wanted to have Dark Matter Cleopatra as a, an antidote to the, the beat driven experiences we're having at squat parties. But we decided to go for a more kind of a beat orientated approach to the more recent stuff. So this is a track from the new album, which is on Bandcamp and it's called Getting Caught.
And that was uh, getting caught. Interesting, but different. Yeah. I see what you mean about Tracy's vocal. Yeah. It kind of fits with the whole sound. I quite like the idea of, you know, the sound just kind of like being there and then just being gone. You know, there's, there's no kind of like chorus verse. It's just, it happens and then it goes, you know. It sounds as well as if you've recorded the vocal really distortedly. Was that on purpose? Was that part of the process? Yeah, I kind of wanted it a bit, you know, I wanted things to be a little bit where you could interpret it, you know, where it wasn't so explicit. The whole album, the, the title is In The Way is kind of about the way being a path. So maybe like a, a path is a way to go, but also being in the way, you know? So there's a kind of idea of being blocked from the path, but also being in the path. Got you. You know, it's an idea of flow, which is what me and Guy were always trying to do with music, is to be in that state of flow where we're not really sure what either of us are doing. And when we listen to the music back, we don't know who was doing what. Well, that's the whole point of collaboration for me is just like, you know, it's mitigating blame essentially as well. But it's also just that experience of when you listen back to it, you think, wow, okay, I didn't know that was happening. And I don't know how it happened. <laughs> so after uh, we did our recording sessions with Tracy managed to source out a release on a cassette. So it was a limited edition cassette, which is available from a, a Hungarian uh, cassette label called um, Unsigned. So yeah, I contacted these people about releasing uh, I Know, which had been the kind of standout track from that recording session because I'd also done the video, Drum Clog Moors, and they agreed to release it on a limited edition cassette, which I think there's still a few copies available. But what's the website for that? Uh, so it's on Bandcamp. It's called Unsigned as the record label on Bandcamp. Where would you get the cassettes, though, if you wanted to? Yeah, from Unsigned on Bandcamp, you can buy the cassette. All right, OK. Cool. I think there's very few left. How very retro of you having it on cassette. But there aren't many folk that have got cassette players anymore, but yeah, good, good on you. <laughs> no, I mean, I really wanted to source out an interesting kind of format, you know, and that's been a big thing for me. So on future releases, I'd quite like to um, get them cut to x-rays, you know, like a x-ray material. Uh, in Russia, they used to cut vinyl records, uh, copies of Beatles tracks onto old x-ray material for distribution because it was the only piece of vinyl that they could get hold of or vinyl-like substance. So they would cut them onto old x-rays. Wow, that's yeah. something new as well. It's incredible. So I really like the idea of cutting some of our stuff onto old x-ray plastic, basically PVC. So I might look into that idea uh, as a future format. Okay, that sounds cool. And uh, as a parting gift, what's the last track we're gonna play tonight? So the last track tonight is going to be Zezer So. I guess it's me and Guy at our most um, contemplative, our most uh, in tune with each other, and just coming out with a really kind of mellow track that has that beautiful kind of flow. And it just comes out of nowhere, you know, none of this is planned. It just kind of materializes. And at some point in the track, you're, you, you understand that you're in the middle of this uh, beautiful thing that neither of you planned. It's just a, just a purely software-based track. You guys aren't actually playing anything, you're just yeah. bringing in elements and mixing them and creating something from software. Yeah, I mean, this 
This is just me and Guy on a Sunday afternoon sitting across from each other on a table with our two MacBook Pros. <laughs> God bless the MacBook Pro. Uh, eh? Yeah, absolutely. An essential piece of equipment. And just having this commune together and uh, conversing with our music. Okay, so with that, let's have a little bit of Zero Soul from Dark Matter Clear Pattern. Here it comes now.
Okay, that was uh, Zero Soul. A very enjoyable little mellow jam. Thank you very much, Baz, for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're drawing to the end of the podcast now, but just before we go, what are your hopes for once we get out of this goddamn awful lockdown situation? Well, I, th- I think it's a good opportunity during lockdown if you have the time to try and work out new ways of doing things. So I've been getting some new software, trying to get my head around uh, Ableton. I've also bought a new um, uh, synthesizer. Have you? Uh, Monosynth. You didn't tell me that. Uh, yeah. What did you buy? Novation Base Station AFX. Turn the camera around immediately and let me see it. <laughs> so this is a... So this is a synthesizer that was designed by Aphex Twin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got lots of different kind of features on it that the original Base Station didn't have or the Base Station 2. So the Base Station Aphex has got lots of things that I haven't explored yet, basically. Well, I look forward very much to hearing what you do with that. Yeah, so we've got that and um, also uh, having uh, Ableton Live. So getting used to using something other than Reason. Mm-hmm. And that's it's quite exciting. And uh, Ableton Live is excellent, and I like the idea of uh, linking up with other people for a jam using uh, the Ableton uh, Live software, which is uh, quite exciting as well. So we'll see where it goes, but it's a good time for research and development while the lockdown happens. During lockdown, I've suffered quite badly from lack of inspiration, but uh, I decided if I got some new software that would maybe inspire me. So I treated myself to Omnisphere 2. I've been a big fan of Omnisphere 1 for a long time. And the Omnisphere 2 update, I've been hoeing and humming about, but I thought, you know what, I need something to inspire me do something new so got that so I'm hoping as well to get into a bit of a of a new lease of creative juices flowing and hopefully we'll both be coming up with some new material soon so listen man thanks so much for joining me tonight it's been a real pleasure absolutely yeah pleasure for me and um, hopefully once this whole lockdown thing is over and done with you can come up to your homeland and visit us in Glasgow and we'll go out for a beer in a real pub and have a jam most important and have a jam oh my god yes that would be <laughs> most excellent yeah yeah okay listen man thanks so much again and that's us for tonight alright dude cheers man okay bud cheers so if any of the listeners tonight are interested in checking out Dark Matter Clear Pattern the new album In The Way is on Bandcamp that was released in December 2020 it's available for download and if you want to check out the films of the Stoogie Zone Collective they are available on our YouTube channel Stoogie Zone that's S-T-O-O-G-I-E-Z-O-N-E A blood black nothingness and dreadfully distinct against the dark Recite your baseline <laughs>